and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob. Coming to you from the subterranean jungle, far from the city's metropolis area. Now, Rob, me, I mention subterranean jungle in the opening because that's the title of a Ramones album. And we are featuring the Ramones on our show today. Did you know that? They wrote a song about the place we're doing our podcast from. No, an entire album. Before we did the podcast. Anyways, <laughs> you since you've for, confused not only you, the audience, but even me. You ask for knowledge, you get that. You can, you can, <laughs> what you just meant, you can discuss when we review the album, because I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we're going to review their debut album from 1976. <laughs> See, you screwed me up. Now I'm trying to think of what the hell was he talking about? Uh, uh, from 1976, as part of our new series on American punk rock. We did do a series on British punk rock a while back on this show, quite a while back. But there are differences between the two, as you know, Rob, you know. I believe it. Uh, which we will discuss later on today, I think. If not on today's show, we will definitely talk about uh, the differences on next week's show. It's all, it all depends on that, that slippery thing we call time. So it's all relative. And, and Rob's relatives, because I guess they're relatives. dropping by later on, and, and we don't know if we have enough time to put it all in, because uh, Rob's relatives are coming by. Uh, so, I also want to tell you, I didn't really want to include this. You know, I didn't want to include this in the script. But It was more of a time killer. But uh, since I started it, and I have it written down, I'm going to include this. I'll let you finish. Uh this has been, uh, for us here in the us. greater metropolis area, yeah. this has been pretty, one, it's been a very terrible winter. Uh, oh, yeah, with the uh, when you go outside, it's awful. Yeah, it's it's terrible to drive to the studio and do the show. Almost every show that we've done in the wintertime has had terrible roads. We're getting a layer of ice every month. Well, yeah, we do. We've had, we've had icy streets, snowpacked streets. Unbelievably cold temperatures, uh, especially when you come outside to drive home after a show when you hit this cold air of astronomical amounts. And then you have to sit in a frozen cold car waiting for it to be warm enough to leave. Uh, but through this horrendous winter, we are, I guess, probably by the time this airs, we might not be in winter because we do tape. We do tape about uh, eight years in advance. About eight years. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the stuff we predict happening. So that's how good ah. we are. Yeah, we're predicting, of course, that Jim Crochet will come back as a zombie. He <laughs> <laughs> shall be referred to as the zombie Jim Crochet. <laughs> but through this horrendous winter, we have had, we have still brought you show after show after show. We we have come out literally in such terrible weather and such terrible roads. And my point is is we're giving our all on this show. Please, no more complaints about Rob being an idiot goof. Now, I know that that's the, the two words that are used most often when I when I read the emails about Rob, you know, idiot goof or a goofy idiot. Yeah, and all I think is preaching to the choir. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if this doesn't stop with these insistent letters, uh, you know, calling him various names, 
Including idiot goof. Yeah, like over and over again. You're, oh, you're, idiot goof, you, idiot you, goof, yeah. You're saying something nobody knows? <laughs> <laughs> if he just doesn't stop, I will let him do the whole show by himself. And nobody, I mean nobody, wants that. Especially me. Yeah. <laughs> Come to think of it, I don't even want it. But I'll do it if I have to. <laughs> Speaking so of Rob. watch it. How was your week, Rob? Ah, let's see. I uh, went uh, skiing, and then I realized I don't ski, nor do I own skis. What am I doing out here skiing? I was just wearing a pair of boots and slipping down a hill, but I called it skiing. I suffered a bit of a concussion at the bottom, but I got It's time for odds and ends. Last time was not found again. Now, uh, I had something for odds and ends this week, Rob. I think I told you last show. But I can't remember what you can't it is. Remember what it was. I can't remember what it is. I, I, I really was excited about it, but then I forgot it. It drives you nuts when that happens, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's do a viewer email. <laughs> uh, not yet. Viewer. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Uh, but I just want to say that I knew when we did the last episode, I had something for this odds and ends. But again, I'm, I'll just say I didn't write it down. And I really think it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I really think I am almost sure it was really good. So, but now it's forgotten. It's in the. I'll probably remember it maybe three weeks from now or something and say, "Oh, and we'll do that." But right now it's not. But that's why this show is. It's <laughs> a show. Just looking. <laughs> sorry, I, I, uh, is a show is because as I was driving as to the studio today. Oh, I got to tell you something. This is. For I, this goes back even before, even though all this is happening like today. What happens is before the show, I usually have a nap for forty-five minutes because I have to have a lot of patience to do this show with Rob. <laughs> yeah, it's a with me. A lot of patience. <laughs> so I need I need as much strength as I need. So I always have like you a forty-five-minute nap. I don't want to come in angry. Yeah. So what? What I did is I had my nap, and I had this dream, uh, and I'm not going to tell you about the dream, it's not, it's not important, but in the dream was the song Let It Be, and I remember putting on the song Let It Be, and it was playing, and I was kind of singing along to it, and there was kind of like school friends around or something like that. And then I woke up, because I had my buzzer, this wake me up, and it doesn't say this, but when it buzzes, it's like, time to go to the show. Get the hell out. It, but it doesn't say that. But it's the but I know that that's what it means when that's the buzzer means. rings. So it means wake up, it's time to go to the it show. It does say that. Maybe it does say that and I don't hear it. No, I don't. You're the only one who's going to understand. Um, so then I went, I got my stuff ready. We're not going to talk about all the stuff I told Rob today about before I left. That's not important. <laughs> I was very late, in other words, in, pick, in picking up Rob to go to the studio. And uh, wouldn't you know that when I went to the car and started it up and went out, that the song that was playing was Let It Be. Uh, I mean, it's another one of you those freaky got things. waves going through the universe. I know. It's really, it's really freaky. But not only that, as I was driving to pick up Rob to come to the studio, after Let It Be had played, I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about this and that. And it kind of gave me, I don't think I came up with this idea. My mom's a big person about things don't happen coincidentally. And she has really convinced me that there is no such thing as coincidence. And I swear that 
they were kind of whatever the spirits whatever were telling me you know what would be a good thing maybe for odds and ends and i'm not i'm not bullshitting you i'm this is completely the truth uh why don't you talk about like because i when i was hearing let it be i was going like that incredible george harrison solo because it was the album version they were playing where the solo comes in yeah so first i want to talk about because i really think i was supposed to talk about this because i had these signs First, I just want to talk about Let It Be has three solos. Now, the first solo, now I don't know because I didn't have time, obviously, to check on this because it was on the way to the studio and, and it was not be, prepared at all. You, you can't be checking facts on your phone while driving. But I don't think, but it could be, and I just seen the Get Back documentary, but, and they showed in little clips every song. That was the version of every song that was selected for the album. I don't know if the version that's on the Let It Be album is the one that's in the film. Uh, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really matter. I always thought it was. Maybe it's not. But the point is, is there's there's three solos, George Harrison solos on Let It Be. One is the one with the single, and it's a good solo. It's actually a really good solo. I didn't I didn't like it for a long time because I thought it paled. In comparison to, to the, the album, uh, which yeah. was just just kicks ass, That's and is one of actually, I still hold that belief. Uh, yes, I still <laughs> hold that belief strongly. I, and I, in fact, believe that George Harrison's solo in the middle of the album version of "Let It Be" is just one of the most kick-ass solos I've ever heard. And it's just, I don't know how he decided that this needed like uh, distortion to kick in, but it's just an amazing solo. So there's the first solo. And then there's the album solo, which is the one with the uh, with the application, and it just booms right in. And then there's the third solo, which you see in the film version of them doing "Let It Be," which is also a very good solo, and it's a really cool solo because you get to see him pick the strings in an up close shot. Such a cool thing! <laughs> so you get to hear three different solos. Now, what he did was that. The first solo, which is the solo, this gets complicated. I'm going to follow me here. There's, the there's first, three shells involved. Uh, there's, there's a peanut noise. The first solo that you hear on the single version, the kind of the non-distorted, uh, I wouldn't call it lame. It's actually a very good solo, very inventive, but it's got the flange on it. And that solo was actually, I guess after they listened to it, and released the single said George said I want to put distortion on it so there's actually two lead guitars on there there's actually George George's distortion solo actually is just louder than the actual first solo the second solo the third solo was never released I think other than the film you only get to hear it in the film so we're not talking about that but it exists but it exists you watch the film and there's the, the third solo and I guess the video because Whenever they show the video of Let It Be, I think that's the solo that comes up because it's the version that... Anyways, I don't want to get too confusing. But what I was thinking about in the car was, I think, and it just came as a bolt to me, that's got to be the first power ballad. There had been no... Uh, now, a power ballad is a song that is a ballad but kind of like kicks ass with the solo. It gets in the solo. The Carpenters did that uh, in a couple of That's songs. That's what I was going to say. A lot of people think that the first power ballad 
was the Carpenters. And again, I just thought of this on the way over, so I don't even know the song. Um, I did before. Uh, I could check it up now, but then I screw up everything I have set up here. But there's a Carpenters song, and they actually got a lot of shit for it uh, because the middle of the road people didn't like it. There was yeah, a distorted you can't solo put in there. That in there for yeah. our nice radio listeners. I don't think it was yesterday. Once more, I can't. I can't remember what song it is. I don't remember. I do remember seeing a documentary and uh, the interview with the guitarist. Again. We will. Yes, I do remember seeing that. I saw that too. Um, and they were talking about how they pissed off all these people in that documentary <laughs> when he did that solo, and he got shit. <laughs> from like letters from people that's how outraged they were and when you listen to it it's actually great it's fantastic yeah he said he was you know kind of warming up with the song and they said you know did it play like that we love that that's what we want we will find out this will be part of odds and ends next week because i will find out what song it is and just just be, to clear it up the first unofficial power ballad and that well, was yes that was the first that's what yeah. they think because distortion at that time, especially at the time the Beatles did in January 1969, was not a huge thing. Distortion was actually not really used all that much until about 1966. And uh, remember, you know, the Kinks, Dave Davies had to put yeah. needles in the in app to get distortion. <laughs> actually uh, damaged the speaker. <laughs> yeah, so distortion was not a huge thing. So, of, of course, uh, I, I, the idea of having distortion on a ballad was... I see. I don't even think was all was even thought of, and this came to me just today, just as just hours ago, as I was picking up Rob, and that's got to be the first power ballad. I had never yeah. heard of guitar on uh, such a ripping, uh, distorted guitar solo in a ballad before. In a ballad, because uh, you know at the time it was just the Beatles being the Beatles, so to call it a power ballad at the time. Uh... No, they, I think it had to stand out with the Carpenters where they did something unusual to what they yes, were doing. Yes, there was some, Richard Carpenters, you know, I have my beefs with him, but I also think he's also quite, uh, I hate the word genius because it's thrown away, but he's a, an extremely smart uh, arranger and yeah. composer. Yeah. And some of the things I don't like that he does, like with the vocals, but there are some things that I really think he likes. He heard that song and he decided, you know what, let's it needs an electric guitar. It needs a freaking electric guitar in there. Like really loud. And it worked. It worked so hard. But I don't know what it's like to go back there because we have heard so many power ballads yeah, now. It's now routine. It's now routine. I mean, that even to hear that song by the Carpenters is it doesn't shock at all. It's just a really good solo in the middle of a good song. Yeah. But at the time, you have to understand you didn't mix together. A nice ballad and a dirty, a, a dirty, dirty solo. Yes, as a dirty sound. And yet, this the the Let It Be solo is actually a couple of years before the Carpenter song. And I just wanted to bring that up because I think I was supposed to. I think for some reason, because of all these things that happen, and I've had it happen before. I had it happen the last show. I didn't say anything, but first song I heard. On our last show, which was the average white band, was Cher doing, and don't tell me about the music I listen to because it's just the radio and it just plays all types of styles. But it was Cher's uh, "If I Could Turn Back Time," and then on the show we talked about Cher <laughs> saving the life of one of the average white members oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by keeping him conscious uh, in an overdose. And I, th I even thought of that. I was driving. I thought, 
why is this the first song? Cher never comes on the radio. And then, oh, yeah, we got Cher. We're talking about Cher tonight, I remember. I think dead people are listening to our show. <laughs> I do have quite a, uh, I don't know, a thing with the spirits. I don't know what it is. It happens quite often on this show. We've mentioned it so many times. But I really felt that either they wanted me to talk about it because it was interesting or they thought it would be a good time waster for odds and ends. Either way, I really thought that, and I've never thought about that. I've been listening to music seriously for, like I said, since 1977, especially the Beatles. That took up almost all of 1977 for me. And I've never thought about it before until tonight that, wow, that solo is revolutionary for a, a song like that. I don't think the Beatles ever thought about it. They just said, that's a ripping guitar solo. I think that the Beatles would probably think that... Um, they did so many. That would be good for an album, but I don't think that that, that would they, be appropriate for a single. <laughs> I think they did. They did so many other first things that they just kind of uh, they yeah. brushed it off as uh... like look how look how distorted and rocking like Revolution was when they released the uh, man that song is just the single version. The single version is just yeah. I heard like, the album version. I was like, uh, it kind of uh, shocked me. It was like, uh, what version is this? Yeah, I don't ever heard the single version. Yeah, and then when you hear the single version, it's like holy smokes, like. Especially when you see the video, and they do the video live in the studio, uh, and they're just kicking. It's just distorted, and it's like it's like uh, it's like almost heavy metal. It's just really unbelievable. So there's so many firsts, and this was like nineteen middle of nineteen sixty nine because they they actually released the single version before the album version, which was late nineteen sixty eight. Actually, I'm sorry. 1968 even though they had recorded i don't know it gets complicated if you want me to to process all the stuff that i have in my head because the revolution song was actually recorded first for the white album uh they didn't like it as a single because it was too slow they recorded it again released it though released the hard rock version before the white album came out <laughs> so that then you get all that kind of it's what are you mess. talking about? That kind of mess that we could talk about, which we're not going to. But I just wanted to bring that up for Ozans. For next week, I will find out the Carpenter song and just bring it up in really quickly. Uh, I know probably most of you know it already, but for this particular thing, we're flying by our pants on this one. Yeah. <laughs> this was unprepared. Uh, anyways, I'm excited. You know why? Because uh, we're moving on to another thing, which is really great and cool. What do you think the next thing we're moving on to is? I just, you know, the, the only thing I care about is is the, the, the letters from people who listen to us. Email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's time for the most loved segment of the show. Email. After this, the heck, well, we don't even need to review the album. Let's just go home. But let's do the email. Let's just do it anyways. Let's do it. That now for email, in case you are uh, not uh, hip hip to email, Enough. that is where you, as audience listeners, send in letters electronically, also known as email, to us to read on the show for other listeners to laugh or cry about. Or Everybody understands something and feel you something in feel their hearts something. and in their souls. I'm going to say that again: in their hearts. And their souls. <laughs> <laughs> God, everybody, they thought yeah, I was saying something profound. <laughs> That's two ways of saying the same thing. Why, <laughs> oh, you 
Shifter. Okay, then we have uh, an email, our first email. We got two emails tonight. We have one that I had from last week, oh, and then I dug up another one. That's crazy. That's so that many. we would take up time with two emails and see how we did. Jeez. Beep up. See, I, I plan everything, so it's kind of like beep up. And it's just, you know, the mic's supposed to be doing this. No, I might that shit. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we have an email from Sheila in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. Now, Sheila did not send us a picture, which she's not supposed to. Not supposed to. But she didn't. <laughs> so I don't know whether to be nice to Sheila or make fun of her. So we will just move on to the question. Okay? Let's move on to the question. Yeah, because I mean, we don't, we're not here to make fun of people. It's just that if, if her, if, if she had something funny, then we would, we would, we would say something. Yeah, but so far, Sheila, you, you protected yourself pretty good. We got no ammunition. We got nothing. Good you're, job. You're just a regular yeah. person. Huh. Thanks, Sheila. Yeah. Dang. You know what? A lot of these people who we don't mean to make fun of, but we do. They, we do. <laughs> they leave, they leave themselves or, open. They come know? from funny places. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not yeah. right and normal. They shouldn't don't, come from funny places. Don't come from a funny place. <laughs> <laughs> I slept funny once. So here's Sheila's question. She says, um, hey, dudes. Oh, by the way, I don't like being called a dude. <laughs> it sounds like you sh- I should be on a Gunsmoke smoke episode. So, Sheila would uh, say if she were here. Well, uh, in case anybody missed that, Rob. I did. It's pretty funny. Now it's not funny anymore. It says, I don't like being called a dude. It's because it sounds like I'm on a Gunsmoke episode. It's not funny now because Rob stepped on my line. But it's okay. So, <laughs> more stepping to do. Keep going. So how come you never say where you are doing the episode, either the city or country or anything? Are you ashamed? Well, <laughs> Sheila. Well, yes, but not of this. <laughs> the only the only thing I'm ashamed of, Sheila, and I'm going to say this. Hold, hold me back, Rob. No, 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 no. Just, just, hey, just calm down. Settle down. Don't use that kind of language. <laughs> the only thing I'm ashamed of, Sheila, is wasting my time reading that question on the air. That's what I'm ashamed of. Uh, see, I got. I'm getting all mad now, Rob. I didn't mean to. I'm getting all mad. First of all, you stepped on my line, and yeah. then Sheila asked that question. How many times have I told you not to step on my lines? Wait till the line is done. <laughs> well, you leave these spaces of indeterminate length. Uh, we will, you know, we will tell you why we don't name where we are. It's because, first of all, there's, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, it's none of your damn business. For yeah, one that's thing, that's true. Yeah. No. Yeah. For another thing, our show is universal, and we will not be relegated to one place. Music has no borders. Music is love. Music is gathering around, hugging each other, and not saying, I'm from here, I'm from here. We're from all the same place, which is a loving place. Kumbaya. (laughs) (laughs) And the third reason, and most important, is female stalkers. Like yourself, I'm assuming Sheila, because you wrote this letter. Yeah. Uh, And don't think we don't know what you're up to, Sheila, because... We have come across these letters before, mostly dudes, or not dudes, mostly guys yeah. who try and find out where we are to male rape us. And we they know where you're coming from. don't send pictures and claim to have women's names. <laughs> <laughs> and we set up a whole thing and then we find out they're guys. Oh, it's, geez, like, ah. that's it. it's more disappointing than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> but still, we just, we just want to say that 
we are just guys with a, a successful podcast. We are not gods. All right. I know sometimes you listen to us and you say, are these gods? Yeah. Sheila, if you were a god yourself and asked if we were gods, we would say yes. <laughs> but that situation doesn't exist. Sheila, you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> if you do have a picture and you're pretty hot, though, you, you can send it in. But we don't, we don't encourage it. No, 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 no. So that's um, that's the reason we don't uh, we don't uh, reveal where we are from or where we broadcast from. There's just oh, too yeah, many people who can get hurt. Yeah, it's too not many shame. people get hurt. It's Rob. not shame. It's fear. It's fear. Fear keeps us hidden. Fear of being raped by a woman who's much bigger than us. Yeah, my mom always said, "Don't get involved with a woman who can take you in a fair fight." She never said that. She never said that. <laughs> I know your mom. She didn't say that. Okay. Uh, we got another email. This is the email I was supposed to read last week, but we didn't have enough time. Didn't have enough time, so this week. So this week's email. Well, we got time. We, we got, got time. time. We got time. This week's email is from Reggie. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Reggie. In Leicester, England. Um, now I'm assuming. <laughs> That's terrible, but it just caught me by surprise. Now I'm assuming Reggie is short for Reginald, which is not better. <laughs> which I don't know for some reason this makes me laugh I do apologize Reggie you're funny I find the name Reginald Reginald is actually even funnier but I'm not laughing but I actually laughed at Reggie you know? I was thinking that in my two favorite movie Reggie's you got uh, Reggie Dunlop and then you got um, uh, Reggie from uh, Life of Brian there yeah. oh yeah Reggie yeah, from Life of Brian oh I remember uh, Tim from uh, Holy Grail Tim. Tim. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's, let's read the letter. Just in case Reggie, John Cleese is that. listening. We, I hope he's listening and he would, he would understand. We, we digress. Tim. Uh, so I understand. I just want to say I understand why you call yourself Reggie with a given name like Reginald. I like, I like that though. If somebody came up to me and said, my name is Reginald, then I would say, you know what? Too many syllables, fella. Yeah, too many syllables. But I kind of like that you say it like that. So... So, uh, balls to you is what I was. I guess they say that in England. They go, balls to you. Balls to you. <laughs> I, I hear that quite a bit in my mind when I travel to England in my mind. Have you ever gone to England and said, balls to you, sir? Balls to you, sir. <laughs> balls. By the way, we will have, uh, not taking away from Reggie's call or email, but we do have, uh, I forgot his name. Who's on next week? Uh, you haven't even told. Oh, um, you did tell me. Anthony then, uh, Eaton Hogg will be on our show next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To do a uh, 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 critical talk. expose on uh, music. On music. Uh, speaking of English, because he's English. Anyway, Reggie wants to know if the opening of the show that I say every week uh, will ever change as he finds it predictable. Hmm. Well, Reginald... <laughs> <laughs> change for the sake of change is that what you're recommending Reginald I started to like you because of your name it was funny it was somewhat amusing uh, but I'm going to have to put this in the too bad so sad column too bad uh, so sad there are no plans to change the beginning and the immediate future but if I do Reginald I will uh, notify you immediately by registered mail. And yes, that was heavy sarcasm, <laughs> you wank. See, I say that, uh, say that in England too. I say, you wank. 
Swank. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a North American pronunciation yeah. of an English word. <laughs> I, 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 I was on Reginald's side until he gave that said that question. Then he became a wank. <laughs> I don't know what a wank is. I know it's not good, but he is now a wank. Okay. Okay. I mean, what's wrong with the well? What's wrong with the beginning? It shows that the show is starting. What do you want me to do every week? Like uh, juggle uh, balls and say, "Oh, look, I'm juggling balls." It's another show. Oh, I don't think there's there's uh, as much cause for that much emotion. I mean, the the basic question I'm asking my mind is: Okay, if a thing is perfect, why would you change perfection? Exactly. It it has a rhythm to it. It 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 works perfectly, and then all of a sudden, this yeah, this this. Fucking wank. Excuse me for my language, Rob. Excuse me. No, this I'm fucking wank. I'm getting mad now. Oh, now you're mad at Reggie. I, now I'm mad at Reggie. <laughs> okay, we shall tear down this perfectly constructed uh, intro and and put up what uh, something better than perfection? No, yeah, I think I think I think better than perfection doesn't exist. Yeah, it actually Check your doesn't. Logic, sir. Thank you, thank you, Rob. <laughs> Don't you all feel like writing in every week? I don't know why you people write in because nobody comes out unscathed. <laughs> but we do love your letters. We actually love them because it provides us with a release that we're always looking for. But if you're going to write in and you're going to ask a question that's going to aggravate us, expect to get burnt. Okay? Burnt badly. Oh. And there's no recourse. Damn it. If we could contact these people by phone. We should. we should. If I had Reggie's phone number, I'd call him right now on the air and I'd say, hey, you wank. That's what I'd say. And he'd go, oh, no, it's you guys. And I said, exactly. We read, We just read your your uh, email on the air and you're such a wank, Reginald. And he'd say, do you know what time it is in England? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I am sleeping, by the way. Um Remember, we are happy to receive your email at soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. That is soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. But please have better questions than Reggie, or it could get ugly when we read it on the air. Don't don't make Gary ugly. You wouldn't like him when he's ugly. Oh, when I'm ugly, which is so often... (laughs) (laughs) which is so often in my life there was the time when i had kind of a half beard and i looked pretty good but other than times pretty ugly yeah pretty ugly (laughs) oh man um now quickly before i think guess we got enough we got a little bit of time now quickly before we go to our record review we want to distinguish for our listeners who don't already know the difference between british punk rock and American punk rock. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> well, British punk rock comes from Britain, and American punk rock comes from America. Oh, that's great that you just took my joke away from me. Uh, <laughs> why, why can't I? I, did, I didn't ask. I didn't ask. All I ask is is that you What's be so quiet. Funny? Until I read what I have to say, and then you can comment on what I have to say. You don't I, interject I, what you want to say. I thought there was a what's so funny question involved there. I think I thought I heard that. <laughs> there, was no, there was no funny word in there. I'm going to repeat this. I'm sorry that I have to repeat this for our listeners. Always, boy. But I'm going to repeat this word for word this on the script. The now, if you would just shut up and shut listen, up. <laughs> you will see there is no words funny in this at all. Okay, now I'm gonna go. Now quickly, 
Before we go to our record review, we want to distinguish for our listeners who don't already know the difference between British punk rock and American punk rock. At this point, I was interrupted. I will continue. Now, the most obvious difference is one has a British accent and the other an American one. Now, obviously, that's not funny now because I was interrupted. But it was hilarious when I wrote it down. But seriously. <laughs> but seriously. Um, <laughs> that was the that was the lead-in joke to this segment. And Rob, as usual. I know I, I recall I uh, made a snicker there and you said, What's so funny? To which I responded to I question. did, because why were you laughing? And then I said uh, And I respond to your question. I'm the bad guy. I tell you what, I'm not gonna respond to your questions anymore. How do you like that? Okay. <laughs> if you're going to trample on my uh, on my jokes, then uh, I, I won't ask you. <laughs> that seems to be possible. Let's shake on it. There we go. Um, well, British... Uh, no. It, American punk rock, as we know it, um, in, let's say, 74, the bands really started at, the, at CBGB's and Baxis, Kansas City, about 73, 74. There's the New York Dolls. We're not going to go back to the to the pre-punk rock with the Stooges and everything because that gets way too complicated. We're talking about the punk rock where it became a movement, okay? Not where... Not just the, a sound. Not just a sound. Exactly, where it became where everybody kind of did it instead of the revolutionary and much loved by me Stooges. I love the Stooges. I love them. <laughs> uh, and, of course, the New York Dolls. And it kind of started, it really did start at CBGB's, and it really started about 1975. And this was a good year to two years before it really, really got going in Britain. And it really started with the Ramones. Of course, there were other bands there. Some of them didn't really play punk rock. Like there was uh, Television and Blondie and Patti Smith. And, you know, they didn't really play the, the punk rock that, that you think of as as punk rock, yeah, the kind of, they were more uh, they were more sliding. against the establishment uh, of of what they were supposed to do than actually playing the, the punk rock that that we know of or think of when we think of punk rock. But it was the whole uh, community of CBGBs and everything that was happening in New York that really brought it on in '75. And the Ramones were the band that typified that more than anybody. The Ramones really were the first of the wave of punk rock bands in both countries. And uh, they became the template. And, but other than that, the difference between the, the British and American is that the American uh, viewpoint of what they were talking about mostly had to do with how dull our lives are and no, oh, I don't like to do this. And where the British punk rock was very political. It was, you know, we're going to have a riot and, and you know, like the Clash of White Riot and, uh, you know, God Save the Queen and Anarchy in the UK and tearing things down because the economic situation in Britain was very bad. Very bad under the government they had, and people didn't have jobs, and they didn't have it, futures. It, it, all the strikes I'd heard about all through the 70s. Uh, all the strikes in Britain? I, I, yeah, oh. I'd never heard of any country having so many strikes before. They, they were just going through a horrendous period. I think they had, and I'm not, don't quote me on this, but I thought I heard this, that they had like the worst depression since like the Second World War, which of course almost decimated the whole country. So it was really bad for young kids. They had like no options. 
and the the musicians really weren't speaking for them that they had like a Rod Stewart. I know I love these people, but that yeah, we're talking about. But they, they weren't speaking career, to the kids. They're right. more uh, singing songs of the heart than of. Uh... Well, they were more singing songs that had to do with their lavish lifestyles. <laughs> you know, in Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, going out and with these huge orchestras, and you know, I love all the bands. I love so much music. That's why I love rock so much. Is that I can love punk rock, and I can also love progressive rock, and I can also love all of these other types of music. Mostly because I didn't, I don't know, that get, that's all for another show where we talk, you know, talk about something else. Because there's a lot of, there's, I bet you 80% of the people that grew, if not 100% of the people that like punk rock didn't like, like Yes or Emerson Lake and Palmer. Oh, yeah. And, but you had to grow up in it. I didn't really grow up in it. I was just a sideliner on all of that. Yeah. I just absorbed it all because I wasn't of that age where I was angry yet. I wasn't even a teenager yet. So, I thought it would have been cool to be in a punk band. But my my brother think. was part of that wave of, of punk and post-punk. And he was in that. And he was dissatisfied with how things were. And he was dissatisfied with the music that was coming out of the mainstream because of all that. Uh, but I was not. I just liked all the records he brought home. I was open to everything. I really, and I think I know Rob. I've known Rob f- like forever. And I know Rob's the same way. As long as it's music, yeah, I want to listen. I can't to it. pin it down for where it's coming from, what I like and what I don't like. I've been surprised by too many things, and uh... right. But the point is, is that they came from a different time. We just came a little bit later on. We were mostly, even though I was listening to music in the late seventies, we were mostly early eighties. Yeah, we creations got a of music, filtered where... view of what the seventies music exactly. Was. We just kind of got the the best stuff. So you music. can't judge these people because they had to live. They had to live in unemployment. They had to live with making, as they say in England, as you guys know who listen, we have a huge audience in England, being on the dole, dole or whatever they call it. Yeah, where you ha- where you have to get the money from welfare and. And just to survive, I and that's that's dream, how you went from. I dream of being on a duel, <laughs> and you know, unless you had that, unless you realized you had no future, because they still had a class society in Britain. That's what all was. What punk rock was about? It was a combination of pissed off at the people who weren't speaking to them, which was everybody. Yeah. They felt uh, they wanted just the young kids to speak to them, the 18, 19 year olds. They just that's who they wanted because that's who they only that they, they trusted. The American was version was much more uh about getting back to the basics of what rock was and not the grandiosity of of the progressive rock tricks and multi-layered track recordings and the losing your energy right it was very unpolitical and i know that there were political bands but it wasn't as it was more about society whereas british punk rock was very much about the politics and everything about that and the differences are actually night and day almost like they their principles were the same which is what we don't like what's going on in the world but they both went at it in very different ways because they're two very different countries and that's why i think more than any other segment on this show this definitely punk rock definitely had to have two versions which is british punk rock and american punk rock there was no thinking about that one uh we have a lot of uh what do you call uh, separate shows for different countries? Progressive rock is one. That's just because there were slightly different versions from each country. We've had Canada oh, on. Yeah, We've yeah. had America on. We will have 
did the German kraut rock on for progressive rock and we will very soon have the English version of prog rock basically all had the same mold except they put their own little spin on it well this was a lot more different than punk rock it was it was yeah it was a different mold but they had to make the mold and their mold the British was was a lot different than the American one and it just came from different places and but it came basically if there's a basic similarity it's None of these kids, these are just kids and they weren't rich and they didn't have much of a future in both countries for different reasons. And they were unsatisfied with what was going on in uh, the music nowadays. And I remember listening to the news when punk rock kind of exploded in the middle of 1977. Man, it was scary. <laughs> you see these, you seriously see these people with with torn shirts of course torn shirts is nothing but you saw them with these big the mohawk haircuts and the mohawk piercings, haircuts and the and piercings the... that would be through their noses and you were and they were older than you like these were these were like 17 year old kids 18 year old kids and you're like 11 and 12 and you're going i'm scared like these people could actually take over if this gets huge they could take over and they could kill us all because they look like they would they, they were so mad these people don't yeah. care about anything they were throwing <laughs> each other which was had never happened before music you know the moshing and the throwing each other around and it was and spitting on the performers it looked like just like the sex pistol said it looked like total anarchy the evolution my friend but it wasn't it was just it, it wasn't anarchy to them they knew what they were doing it's just on the outside when you'd hear these I, I hate the word square but you hear these news reports from like cbs or whatever and they'd always go what are these kids up to you know <laughs> they knew it's just that uh and you had your people who in the establishment who loved punk rock who thought it was a needed boost in the ass which i don't know why they all didn't think like that but there was many musicians who just thought that they were untalented idiots who didn't who didn't know what the hell they were doing and uh, who would still say that to this day. I can yeah. name names. I can name names like five right off the top of my head and I won't. But. A bunch of people have kind of forgotten where rock and roll came yes. from. Some of them are my heroes and I won't name them. Um, and some Bastards. of them were were depressing, you know, it depressed me that they that they had such an attitude. Some of them were great. I'll, I'll tell you the names of the the one that sticks out automatically is the one who really latched on and said, this is fantastic, man, was Pete Townsend. He was the guy who said, man, this is where the Who was in 65, and I love it, it's going in there, but I can't do that music. I've moved on, I've matured. These people will mature too, and they will move on from what they're doing, but I love the energy they're bringing. It's what's needed. And there were many, many people like that, but there were much more who just said, oh, that's bullshit. And <laughs> that's why that they were revolting is because there were so many people who kind of lost, all these great musicians who kind of lost what rock and roll really was, was just three chords and the truth, really. Yes. And uh, they became the establishment. There was nothing left to rebel against once you become the establishment. Oh, exactly. So that's the difference. I'm glad I talked about it. Kind of took up my time. <laughs> for the show but i'm glad because i wanted to spend a lot of time here on the ramones just because their story is fascinating and they were really if you really think about it the first group in this wave to to break out and the ramones uh started very quickly and once you got to remember like the ramones <laughs> almost everything about the ramones is almost like a fairy tale i mean here are these guys they got these haircuts. They they look like goofs in the first place. They all got the same last name. 
Well, let me get to <laughs> that. Let me get to that. They all they all have these same haircuts. Johnny Ramon's got this haircut, which just looks like a, a bowl cut. And, you know, and they got something like Joey Ramon, the singer, has this long hair, but he just, he looks like the kind of guy you'd beat up in school. And they just look like a bunch of goofs if you don't know who the Ramones are. And then they come on and they all take their last, the last name of, of uh, the Ramones, like they're all brothers, but they're not. And they take the last name of the, the name that Paul McCartney used to write in in the Beatles days when he would go to a hotel, which was uh, Ramon. And then they just put an E on it. And they said, that's a good name. And then everybody who came into the band after that was the most. Now, it seems like a big joke, but when you put it all together, it works. And they all come on with blue jeans and, 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 and leather jackets to their, on their concerts. And then, like, if I told you this just as a verbal thing, like I'm doing now, without you hearing your music at all, I'm just telling you, this is bad that's coming up. And I, I just told you all that I told you. Oh, and they're playing these really fast songs in like a minute and a half, and then they're done. <laughs> And then, and then they 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 use a couple of lines in there, but mostly it's just a couple of lines of, uh, where they sing, and then you know they say what they oh yeah, and they talk about sniffing glue. You'd say what the fuck are you talking about? But when it actually happens, and they go on stage, and you see them where you listen to the records, you go oh I get it, <laughs> I get it. But you have to actually experience it because if you just if you just explain it, it all sounds like it's a terrible idea. Everything sounds like a terrible yeah, idea, it but like it all actually works as a brilliant idea. Just, and it wasn't even really all that. It wasn't really planned out. And the Ramones began playing gigs about mid nineteen seventy four. They all kind of met in New York, you know, in in, in the kind of like not the very I, I i can't remember like is it the is it the bronx i i don't know the new york very well but it, it was in a very un a rougher neighborhood a rougher very thank you Rob, <laughs> a rougher neighborhood uh they they would play mostly specifically in downtown manhattan they played at cbgb's and Maxis, kansas city pretty much the only places that they could play because they play two minute songs and then they play for 30 minutes or whatever and then they were done and then they'd go home and they'd say screw you and uh that's it it caught on very fast for a group that was either the way you either looked at it which was very elemental and stupid or if you looked at it the other way which was trailblazing either way they 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 grabbed onto the scene very fast even by early 1975 after only six or so months together uh lisa robinson a very very prominent critic uh said this band has to get signed this band is amazing uh she went to go see the band she brought uh lenny Kay, who is a great writer and of course the guitar player for the patty smith group to see them and he wrote about them in the village voice and word was getting out people were starting to come down to the kigs at cbgb's then Lisa Robinson brought Danny Fields, who discovered the Stooges and MC5 and all these bands before. And he said, I need to manage this band. This band has something that nobody else has or nobody wants to have, depending on how you look at it. And uh, so by the end, you know, in September of 1975 already, probably only a year after they started playing gigs, uh, they recorded uh, some demos uh, in New York of songs that would eventually be on their album. They got signed right away to Sire Records 
And then they went in and recorded their album. And they basically just, they recorded their album in uh, a week. Which is how we wanted to do our first album for a week and very cheap. But we didn't have people that were on our side about <laughs> yeah. that. The, yeah. the thing that the Ramones had was that they did have people who were on their side. First of all, they only had about $6,000 that they were of their budget, which is unbelievably low. We even had a bigger budget. I think I had like $7,000 to record our first album. Granted, but uh, 15 years of inflation. Eh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm talking about, though. And, but yeah, yeah. That's, I'd, I'd say that's about equivalent to what the... Yeah. And uh, they recorded instruments in three days. This is exactly how we try. We're not the Ramones, by the way. We don't play punk rock. But we wanted to put down the bed tracks in like three days and do the vocals in like three days. They did They did do that. They did the instruments in three days, which is the backing tracks, and the vocal parts in four days, seven days. Boom, it's done. Because that's the Ramones. They got their shit together. They got their 12, 14 yeah, songs. Playing live enough, they know yeah. how to play them. And uh, that's all they wanted. That's how you record the Ramones. And that's how you get their in, incredible sound. And, and, you know, and then they had this great album cover, which became one of the greatest album covers of all time. According to Rolling Stone, one of the 100 greatest album covers of all time. Just the four of them leaning against the wall. I hate and it, brick walls. And it's just... <laughs> Every band after that. Oh, I know. I know. At that time, you have to remember, at that time, that was like such a cool cover. And then every band wanted to be... And had a wall in back of them and the four of them looking really tough. Yeah. And the Ramones didn't look tough. They were tough. The the way that they stood on the album cover was the way they were. And the reason they looked tough was because they were everybody after that just wanted to be like the Ramones. And it's like, yeah, well, you have to do that. And it's funny because the Ramones only played for the first year and a half inside New York, except for one gig in Waterbury, Connecticut. So they played every gig like for 1974, 1975 in New York. And then they started to branch out a little bit. And then, of course, you know, everything changed after that. Now, the thing, of course, that's the Ramon's story, which I don't know if we're going to get into everything. Because the Ramon's story is, is both fascinating and also incredibly sad. Is that the Ramon's, yeah, we're running out of time. The Ramon's uh, never really caught on commercially. Everybody listened to the Ramones. So many bands were influenced by the Ramones. But uh, they never really sold any copies through their whole career. They ended very sadly. There's a movie called, if you want to watch it, I think it's a brilliant movie called The End of the Century by the, uh, of the Ramones that tells their sad story. They're unfortunately all gone. Uh, all four original members are gone. Um, you know, bassist D.D. Ramone died by... Uh, heroin overdose and Johnny and Joey died by uh, cancer and as also their drummer uh, Tommy Ramone and uh, so all the original members are gone which is hard to believe because it's only 1976 you know but I remember being very sad watching the movie the end of the century documentary because it was not how I pictured the Ramones they they didn't get along all that well and Johnny uh took Joey's girlfriend and they didn't talk for ever. They didn't talk for years and years and years until Joey died. Very sad story. But 
the uplifting story is what they did. And what they did was start a revolution. And how many times can you say that you changed music? How many bands can say that they actually changed music? I mean, that's huge. I mean, yeah, you don't get the sales. but the, And I know that they were all, I remember seeing um, interviews with them during the mid-90s and just before they broke up. And they were always pissed off that everybody was using their sound but making commercial and then selling and oh, they yeah, weren't yeah. and they were just so pissed off and i felt so bad for them i said why didn't they and, but you can tell when you listen to their music that it's not music that they're going to play on the radio it's not however great it is it just doesn't seem like the type it seems like it has to be watered down a little bit and they just kind of the sad part is that they kind of turned in from a an unbelievable punk band into by the mid 80s a thrash heavy metal group and uh that was really their doomsday because different they, crowd different crowd they didn't really they their albums were never all that good from the mid 80s on uh you know ramones fans may disagree with me but look in the all music guide and see all their stars for their albums from the mid 80s on they didn't get very many great albums out of it and it seems natural i mean there is a huge difference between uh speed metal and punk rock even though people may not think there is yeah uh but there is we're not going to get into all that that is the we could talk about this the listeners definitely know there the listeners definitely know i know but it's hard to put into words uh but and we're not going to do it today because we have to talk about the album and uh it's just i don't know like it's just it's just I don't know how Rob feels about it, but I just listened to it and I was just like, and I have to tell you, everybody probably assumes that I've heard an album by the Ramones. I actually have actually, but not everybody probably thinks that I've heard so much Ramones. I've only heard the songs that are popular and have been played on the radio once in a while. Yeah, I've never I've heard the Ramones were actually one of the bands that my brother never picked up. He only picked up one album by the Ramones. I don't think he was a Ramones fan at all. In fact, he picked up the album produced by Phil Spector in 1980 called End of the Century, which I really wanted to do on this show early on, but it's 1980, so I, we couldn't do it. And I didn't like the album. And I didn't like the album at all. I don't think Phil Spector and the Ramones should have been they put together just, as a combination. They didn't work well? Okay. They didn't work well at all together, and it just didn't seem... Some people really liked the album. I really disliked it. And I know my brother disliked it because the album didn't stay in the house for too long. And that was unfortunately the only album that my brother got for the Ramones. I don't think, even though he was a big punk rock fan, I don't think he liked the Ramones. I don't think that was his type of shtick. So I was actually, had never, other than End of the Century, I have, other than this week, I had never actually listened to a whole Ramones album. It is amazing. <laughs> it is just, I don't, I hate talking about classic albums that because you're just saying the same things that I have read about for the last week, which is, oh, they're, 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 they're groundbreaking or this and that. I listened to this. It's 29 minutes long. I wanted to listen to it right after it was done. I had no trouble listening to it for the four times that I listened to it this week. I wish I could have listened to it more. Didn't bore me one, 
one instant, which was a reversal of uh, when I was listening to the average white band. I didn't want to listen to it for that fourth time. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was like the complete opposite. It's like it's so infectious. It gets better every time because you start to really get the melodies and the into your head every time you listen to it and you get more addicted to it. And they got the great guitar sound from Johnny Ramon, which I loved. Not too distorted, but still distorted. And not that distorted where you get the heavy metal thing that they did later. Oh, yeah. But yeah. the distorted where it's punk, but it's also melodic. Just brilliant. No guitar solos on this album, by the way. None. No room. No room. <laughs> and some of the songs, there's even one song. If you think that the Ramones are all just play goofy songs. There's a couple of songs on here, and one of them is called I Want to Be Your Boyfriend, which is a beautifully written song. It's not a ballad, but it's as close to the ballad as the Ramones are going to write. It's a really good song about I Want to Be Your Boyfriend. Very nice. They also got one about I, uh, Listen to My Heart, written by D.D. Ramone, which, again, it's not a ballad, but it was very heartfelt. And uh, they do a great cover of Let's Dance, uh, a, a perfect song for them to do. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, hey ho, let's go. <laughs> Everybody knows that for their moans they started that. I, I don't know what to say other than there is nothing less than five stars I can give this album. I want to listen to this album all the time. It's, uh, it's even still a little groundbreaking now, even almost 50 years later. I can't believe it's been 50 years. Holy smokes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. wow it's been 50 years because I remember when their Rocket to Russia album was released and that was the next year that was 1970 <laughs> I remember seeing the advertisement for Rocket to Russia that's almost 50 years ago then it's like whoa holy smokes time goes by fast the Ramones always seem timeless to me because they always look the same they always dress the same and and everything so anyways I've you taken up too much time I, I gotta same. let Rob say his his piece on this I really didn't like the album Oh wow! This is so I wild. I was incredibly <laughs> surprised. I uh, the, I was listening to the first time, and I, there was a some words in my head that kept going through my head, and I kept saying, "I can't say it on the show because I'm going to sound like Bora Bora." <laughs> <laughs> but I kept trying to find other words to replace them with, and I was not able. So I have to say the words. I found the songs on this album to be too long. <laughs> <laughs> this by the way is the most surprising review i've ever heard on this show and this is our 125th show blitzkrieg bob i've heard on the radio i really like that song and the radio song is what i judge ramones by and uh -huh. uh, the, you know i was uh, coming into this one thinking uh, i'm really going to enjoy this and the three four songs in uh, I'm i'm just thinking of repetitious droning uh, <laughs> I didn't bother looking up too much of the lyrics because I understood so few of the lyrics that I just said the heck with it if he's not interested in communicating I'm not interested in finding what he's saying <laughs> after about the third listen I was done and it, it actually is a bit like the equivalent for me of, of, of it's close to fingernails on a chalkboard I swear to god it almost did uh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Let's just—I'm not—I'm not, 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 not—I am not disparaging 
his comments at all. I'm not disparaging Rob's comments at all because everybody's point of view is right. It depends on how. But let it's me just flavor. say, let me just say, it's so funny that you're talking about like the 33rd greatest album that yeah. were, that Rolling Stone I know, uh, of all time of all time, <laughs> and it's just funny because. I don't like it. And his, I'm not going to listen to it. In again. his view, he's right, and he he is. He it doesn't like it. Reminded me a bit of like um, Nirvana. I really like their uh, the, the songs I've heard from there. But I tried listening to like all of Nevermind, and uh, it wasn't my scene. You know, it totally wasn't. You know, I was thinking it was funny because I was thinking this week like um, of all the accolades, and I, I was trying to find somebody writing anything bad about this record <laughs> all week, and I couldn't find one one thing that was said bad about this record. But the one guy, pussies, one sorry, guy, sorry, <laughs> one guy who who doesn't like the Ramones uh, is actually uh, other than Lester Bangs, my favorite critic, which is Grill Marcus, who likes so much music. And I respect so much. Sometimes he's a little intellectual. But there are bands that he surprises. He's like, like if he doesn't like something, Rob is not afraid to say he doesn't like it, no matter how popular I'm it is. I'm surprised. Well, I'm like it too. Like, <laughs> I don't, if I don't like something, I don't care how popular it is. But there are a lot of, of people who would jump on the bandwagon and say, I'm supposed to like this, so I'll like it. Uh, Grill Marcus does not like the Ramones. He must be the only critic it, uh, that didn't. And he was also a guy that never liked REM and was not, and always was spouting about that. He was one of the few guys that when all the critics were drooling about REM, says, I don't like them. I don't think they say anything. And you know what? It's not wrong because that's your opinion. And how can you say you're wrong and Grill Marcus is wrong, who's like uh, a legend of criticism? They're not. They just hear it in a different way. And I think one advantage I have is that I this is really the music I grew up with. Not necessarily yeah. the Ramones, but punk rock was really the thing that was coming into my house on a weekly basis. And if it was not punk, it was new wave. That's what mostly I listened to from 1978 to like 1982. I mean, I listened to all other stuff, but this is the stuff that my brother was bringing in weekly. So I really got to know... You know, and attached to the sound of punk yeah. rock. You get into it at an early age, and I, it got me thinking, like that Black Sabbath uh, album. Oh, no, the Deep Purple album review, where I was saying that, you know, had I gotten into this at an early age, like as a teenager, I think I really uh, would have got into it. But uh, I think uh, there's a bit of age on my side, and... Uh, who knows? I may have a different opinion of this if I, if I wasn't brought up on this and then had heard it, like, 40 years later who knows what I would like it we're all we're Granted, all but still at this point you finish the album and it's like that was great I want more yes and, and I you of, were like I struggled God, that was horrible. the album and, <laughs> geez I'm doing this one more time and then I'm just gonna make my notes and I'm done this is the most surprising I've ever had um I, there was one album that really surprised me oh I really was surprised you liked the billion dollar babies because I really didn't I dislike the billion dollar babies as much as you dislike yeah, this record, yeah. <laughs> and yet you liked it, and that was to me your most surprising review. This I'm surprised. Be I'm surprised because I didn't think that our just because I didn't think that our we're so be similar. Different, on yes, this one. yes, because <laughs> no. we're so similar in a basic way in all the music we listen to that I thought that oh he'll 
he may not give this five stars, but he'll at least give it three and a half and say he really liked it, but I wish it wasn't so derivative or something. That's my worst imagined <laughs> nightmare for, for you and this record. I did not see this coming because we are so identical. But you know what? I understand it because no. there are people who feel that way. There are there are people who feel, like and I'm really I happy you. that you just didn't go along and say, "Oh, it's it's really good." Uh, what's next week? <laughs> I think it's kind of reflected. I know when I was looking at the uh, the Spotify listings, you know, there's uh 14 songs on the album, and I think other people felt this way because the first song, of course, uh, Blitzkrieg Bop, gets uh, lots of hits, mm-hmm. but then the next three or four songs get about four or five million hits, and then the next ones are down in the hundred thousands for the whole rest of the album so i think a few people kind of tuned to the album like that and said the, you know maybe it maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't age as well as maybe people like me think uh and i'm serious i'm very serious about that because you just brought that point up is that maybe us people who who i wouldn't say grew up with the ramones but grew up with that type of music, that type of music. have this idea that oh i loved it in 78 i bet you everybody 40 years later or 45 years later just going to just be just as bonkers as I was about it and maybe they're not time will tell maybe they're not maybe the people that are the the people that are being exposed to this for the first time I know you're not a kid but let's just say the kids who are being exposed they just say what what's the big deal is this kind of is this kind of derivative and moronic? See, and I understand that. this was never derivative back at the time it came out because there was nothing for it to be derived right. from. Right, <laughs> right. But I see. No, I absolutely see your point. I do. In I fact, there was probably was like, a lot of people who went to CBGBs and said exactly the same thing you do, and then there were people who who didn't. You know, this was the, 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 what was the other album? The Heavy Weather, where I, I just couldn't hear the the thing. I can't pick up on the music. Ooh, I love flavor that uh, <laughs> I'm not hearing it I can't yeah. say this is a bad album because I don't believe that because I can hear the musicians. you know what I really like Rob I like that what? that against what all the so-called critics say especially what I say because I'm very passionate about whatever I, I talk about that you don't just like I said no and I'm serious about this that you just don't go oh and in the middle of the show just oh you know yeah it's <laughs> it's it's not bad I'll give it three stars and and I that's all enough I'm glad that you I say exactly what's on your mind because that would make this show a farce if you didn't say exactly what you felt I was trying to find a way not to say it <laughs> <laughs> but it was unavoidable hey if you hate a record please say it I'm serious because I do, you know, I do. And I also, I don't, I, when I love a record or when I think it's boring or when I think it's mediocre, I will say it. And that's the only thing I ask of Rob. And I've always thought that sometimes does Rob ever, I have thought about because we agree. Well, uh, yeah, because we we agree so often that sometimes I go, did he like that? Because I speak first and sometimes I might have convinced him that it's... But now <laughs> I know... He just fit in with the crowd. Yeah, yes, no, there is that instinct. But now I know that you don't, and it's actually a relief, because now I know that all the other reviews have been exactly your reviews, Pretty how much. you felt about them. Maybe like a half star here or there, but yeah. never... Uh, Sometimes I'm influenced by what you say, and I changed my, my, my thing by half star yeah, either way. Yeah, the point comes up that you, you consider again. Yeah. Exactly. I never change my, my thought of the album, but I might change like, oh, you know, you're right, that does make this a little bit better. And then I put it up a little bit. But I'm I, glad. No, I'm glad <laughs> I'm because... The, 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 I, I knew you'd like this. I was pretty sure. And I just assumed going into it, I'd like the album, but 
I did too. I didn't know if you'd love the album. I actually didn't think that you would love the album, but I thought, like I said before, you give it like at it least and... three and a half and yeah. say, you know what? It's a little bit moronic for me as far as, you know, three chords and all that, but I kind of get their, their angst and all that. And so when you said, like, I can hardly make it through this, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the most shocking review I've ever heard you say because it's so... It's as different to to my point of view as we've ever gotten on a record ever in our lives. Not just this on this show. It seriously bugs me. Like, uh, am I? Uh, it shouldn't can't I bug you. It shouldn't <laughs> bug you if a guy like Grill Marcus hears the same thing, and he he's not afraid to say it. And trust me, I bet you he has a lot more to lose than you do. Yeah. This guy is makes all his profits from his books and being a critic. And if he goes against everybody yeah. else and says, I hate the Ramones, I love people like that because they're actually stating that they're not going along. And I've heard uh, that there are people that, critics that are under a lot of pressure that will go with the momentum yeah, of what people are yeah, saying. The, the, yeah, the movies and the TV and... Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that where... Uh, a really uh, bad piece of work can be uh, loved by all the critics. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Praised as a triumph. <laughs> but really, maybe only 75 of them actually love it, and 25 were just jumping on the bandwagon. No, I've always had the belief I would rather listen to one person I disagree strongly with, you know, talk passionately about what they believe in rather than 100 people it's, telling what they think I But it's hear. funny, Rob, it doesn't upset me. Because no, I was thinking it might shock you a bit. It did. Oh, it <laughs> shocked me. It did. It still shocks me. But for some reason, I'm really happy because I know that it's a hundred percent the way you feel, and I would rather have a hundred percent the way you feel than have you just go, oh, well, everybody likes it, whatever, three stars, whatever. You know, <laughs> oh, I, and I'm there's serious. There's times I'd like to do that because it's so much easier. Uh, <laughs> just blend in with people and not be bothered. And just agree with them. It's easier than beating the shit Oh, I know. I, <laughs> I even had trouble with Tapestry because everybody loved Tapestry, but I just thought it was a, a really, really good album, but not the classic it was. So I felt bad that I, I didn't diss it, but that I didn't praise it all to heaven. I just kind of said, yeah, I liked it, but it could have been better. And uh, But I at the end of the night, when I was done, I said what I felt about it, honestly, and I didn't feel bad about it. I did at the time. That whole, like you just said, about the whole week coming up, and you go, fuck, should I say this? <laughs> <laughs> I know what that feels this like. This is not going to be popular, yeah. but I can find no other words which are accurate. So, I'm, I, I give it, of course, I've given it, which is so strange, but without even a... a I don't even have a hesitation. This is, to me, a five-star masterpiece of an album. I love everything about this record. What's your rating on this? This gets up to a two and a half stars from a one and a half or, or two-star rating uh, just because of two things. One, you can definitely hear the energy in the music. That is undeniable. That lets you know that uh, these guys love what they're doing. and uh, The energy and also the, uh, the, the, the Blitzkrieg bop. Love that song. It is a great song. <laughs> it's a great song. You know what? It's funny. If if somebody can just take that away from it, that's that's a pretty good win because it is such it is such a great song. And it is it is such a great single. It should have been a hit I, single. I didn't know what the, the title was or what they were even singing until uh, we got the album this week. And, uh, oh, they're singing Blitzkrieg Bob. Mm. I thought he was singing Let's Get, and then I couldn't make out the <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I, I want to say this about what Rob said. Um... Uh, that is so true is that when I listened to this the first time, even though I knew a few songs on here, 
it is it is aggravating in that you can't understand any of the words almost. Yeah, and luckily, you can understand bits and pieces. On of every other listen, I was using the the lyrics, and it made it better. But I understand like Rob's real frustration in that I don't even want to hear the lyrics if I can't hear them. You know, I don't want to read <laughs> yes. the lyrics if I can't hear them. If you're at going all. that far to make them unintelligible. Uh, I'm not going to work that hard to, to understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, they're not they're not exactly changing uh, uh, the makeup of uh, building a rocket here with their no. lyrics either. I, I believe a lot of songs, uh, the popular songs, have one or two really good, really relevant, uh, intelligent lines in them, and then a bunch of filler. And these, uh, I think, uh, probably dispense with a bunch of filler and more room for the uh, the the one good line. Because there's not a whole lot of whole room for the filler. That's funny. <laughs> filler, filler in like a minute and fifty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is this was a really good episode. Very strange, but uh, very strange. I actually thought you'd give it two after what you said. I think you're. I think you think I highballed it a bit. No, I do. When the the whole thing going through my head is the way you talked about it the first time. I really think that. You would probably give it a two, yeah. And I think I think that you were hedging a one and a half when you came here to record. talk about it was was two and maybe hedge it from one and a half to two. I don't know if you say that many bad things and still give it a two and a half. To be honest <laughs> with, you. I don't want to yeah. rate. I don't want two to rate things more for, for indifference. Okay, I don't. I'm not rating things for you. Obviously, it's just that the way you talked about it almost reeked of two to me. <laughs> two stars, uh, like two is of course. Very average, very average. Two and a half is, oh, it's a little better than average. And three, of course, is good. So you're saying it's a little bit better than average, but you had a hard time yeah. listening to it. I'm No, I'd say it bumps up to average just from the... Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Two, uh, two and a half is my middle ground, and uh, I don't hear too many that actually make me not want to listen, but... Well, we got two more weeks of this, folks, and <laughs> right. uh, I'm loving it, and I don't know if Rob will. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the jazz albums we did, there was only one there that uh, I really didn't... Uh, yeah, and the other that's the thing about this, and we told we we just discussed so, this last I week. I don't know what I'm going to uh, like or not like uh, before we discussed this the personality about, of the band. Oh, yeah, we just, about, the, about, about the listeners having to go through phases of music that they may not like we have to do that too yeah maybe We're not at the same time very happens it very rarely happens at the same time that we dislike something except for the the mor thing we did oh yeah but it's very rare that you know it's usually somebody one of us doesn't like it and the other one likes that type of music a little bit more and it's very hard for the one person but uh that's the great thing about this show is that we don't just rest on the laurels of one type of music or even I a couple. I wish I could. I just want to slough off the show. <laughs> just, and just read some uh, some cliff notes. Sometimes kind of this show is hard for us to do because we're not immensely, immensely passionate about some forms of music. And um, so I don't know if there's any point to that. It's just that this is not all are just our favorite types of music our favorite types of albums this is completely the opposite this is we want a broad spectrum yes. of what the set this is called sounds from the 70s I, it's not called heavy metal from the 70s i like getting into the songs uh, the albums and the stuff the music i don't know anything about yeah but i do feel bad that we have to do three weeks of something you may not like it's just the same as I sometimes go like, fuck, I don't like this music much. I wouldn't. And I, I revel in it. I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> You're suffering. <laughs> I, but I always, I'm always interested, like, will the next one kind of change him a little bit? Because no, you know that no album, even a punk, is like the Ramones. 
and like no album just like no this is very different from the sex pistols which is different from the clash which is blah 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 so that's also the interesting part in that maybe the next album he might really like doesn't maybe it's not punk rock maybe it's the ramones he doesn't like same with grill marcus it wasn't punk rock he loved punk rock yeah it's just that he didn't like the ramones and so we'll see it makes it interesting doesn't it you don't want to listen to the same music you've heard before I like these particular sounds they're making for much shorter periods of time than they were making them for. oh yeah i understand you know what? i do understand shorter, so I, uh... I think another reason that i'm not outraged like if you went against something what? I was very passionate You're an about. idiot. I would. <laughs> I would. If it what was something that I could not understand why you couldn't like, I would be like that. But I understand anybody. Ramones are very this way or that way. You either love yeah. them or you think that they're moronic and, and tedious. And anybody who doesn't understand that doesn't understand music because look at their lyrics and everything. You either like what they're saying or the music they're playing and the timing of their music, like two minutes is going, oh, you know, or you don't. It's not a middle kind of ground. I don't think the Ramones are. No, I think there's a high energy thing that works a whole lot better with live performances in clubs. We got to cut this short. I'm sorry. Okay, because we're already almost oh. on our <laughs> lengthiest show almost. Okay, that's it. We've had enough. <laughs> we're going home. Uh, I knew this would be long because we had a lot to talk about the Ramones background and everything. Uh, that's our amazing show for today. Uh, next week, we will have another album from a punk rock band in the United States. We will see how both of us review that. Uh, we will also be... Rev- Rob, also next week, will be showing us his specially made Fruit of the Loom punk rock underwear. It's so, the sort of thing that uh, translates very well to an audio podcast. <laughs> If anybody got that, how can we see it? What the fuck? Uh, So until then, uh, as always, take care and stay safe. I just.